Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, as always, we have another super amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Jessica Manan. Jessica is the creator of the One Part Plant Movement and author of the One Part Plant Cookbook, host of the One Part Podcast and founder of Know Your Endo, the endometriosis education and awareness platform. With her latest book, Know Your Endo, which will be released in spring of 2021. Six years ago, Jessica's major food groups were Sour Patch Kids, Diet Coke, and whatever lean cuisine had the most cheese. After years of unsuccessful diets and self-help books that didn't work, she felt pretty low and not so good about herself and didn't think it was possible for her to have the willpower to become a truly healthy person. Maybe there was a little bit of thinking she didn't deserve it. Jessica was really sick. Her endometriosis had gotten so severe that most days she could barely make it out of bed. She tried everything that she could get her hands on to get better. She had multiple surgeries, tried conventional painkillers and less conventional leafy ones, fancy yoga and not so fancy yoga, and even therapy to help her with depression caused by the pain. Nothing worked. Jessica's doctors gave her one final solution a hysterectomy. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, this morning we have the beautiful Jessica Mernan. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And look, the way that we love to start the show is we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So Jessica, tell us, how did you get to what you do today? Well, it's. I, I think I'll talk about what I'm doing currently because I've had about 10 careers, I think, in my lifetime so far. <clears throat> um, so the what I'm doing today with my work with endometriosis and food, I have stage four endometriosis. And I'm not sure if the people that listen to your podcast are familiar with that, but it's when the type of lining that the tissue that lines your uterus grows onto the outside of your uterus and it can grow on different body parts. And it's estimated that one in 10 women have endometriosis, but it takes an average of 10 years and eight doctors to get diagnosed. 
and it can be incredibly painful and debilitating. And I am one of those statistics that it took over 10 years to get diagnosed and probably more than eight doctors. And when I was finally diagnosed, I definitely didn't feel better at all. I think I felt more alone, excuse me, more alone and more confused. And it just progressively got worse to the point that about, I think it's nine years ago now that I was headed for a hysterectomy. And I don't know, it's, it's pretty dramatic to have a hysterectomy in your thirties. And I just felt that if I could get that, maybe I could have some sense of myself back or my life again. So I was going to move forward with the surgery until a friend shared this little link in a, in an email that said that lifestyle changes, diet and movement. And it was really focused on diet could help with endometriosis pain. And I thought there was zero chance of that working, but I decided to, excuse me, I decided to take a shot on it and knew that I would just get the surgery anyway. But after changing my diet, I changed to a plant-based diet. It helped me be able to get out of bed again, which led me to be able to exercise again, which led me to not being so depressed. And after that, I just felt like it would be my life's work to help other people feel better too, especially people with endometriosis. Wow. And such a young woman too. So it doesn't really matter how old you are, right? No. In fact, I just actually, I'm writing a book right now on endometriosis and I just interviewed a woman that was not diagnosed with endo until she was 53 years old after 30 years of being dismissed. And at that point, her organs had fused together because of the endo. So, you know, it's something that, you know, once you hit menopause and later in life, it's, you know, you're not shedding that uterine lining every month. So it's a little bit of a different story, but endo is something that there's no cure for. And so I'll have it for the rest of my life. The people that have it will have it for the rest of their life. So it's really about getting down to practical management tools that you can get out of bed in the morning and go to work and have a life that feels meaningful because, you know, there was a recent study, not a study. There was a huge thing that the BBC did recently where they interviewed over 13,000 people with endometriosis and nearly 50% of them said that they had suicidal thoughts because of their endometriosis. So this isn't a bad period. It's not, you know, a woman problem. This is a very severe illness that is impacting people's lives. So it's just, we need to do something to help them. Yeah. And you, and you know what, you don't actually hear about it often at all. Like, I mean, it's good on you for writing a book, but I think that I don't, look, you know, we've been doing this for three years and I don't think we've ever had one person talk about it. And and one in 10 women have it. So you've had more than 10 women on the podcast. So, you know, think about 10 women in your life and one of them or more of them could be potentially suffering from this and they don't know why. So what are the symptoms? Just so that, you know, for, I guess <clears throat> yeah, for our, our listeners, because we do, we do have a lot of women listening to um, the show. Yeah. So symptoms, I think this is the tricky part because a lot of the symptoms are not connected to what you would think are period symptoms. So 
painful cramps are one of them. That's I think one of the most popular, let's say that across the board, a lot of people have, excuse me, you don't necessarily have to have painful periods to have endometriosis. Fatigue is a huge one. Um, infertility is, is a huge symptom of endometriosis. And then you get into the ones that are a little bit trickier and, and ones that I think are the reason why it takes a long time to get diagnosed because there are a lot of GI symptoms, a lot of bladder, some, a lot of urinary problems. So, uh, painful urination, retention, urgency, and then in terms of the digestive issues. I I think that it's estimated right now that 90% of people with endo experience GI issues. So if you have a GI issue, you're not going to your gynecologist about it. You're going to a gastroenterologist, GI doctor. And, and, and then they're saying you have IBS and then you're dismissed again. So a lot of these symptoms are not necessarily connected to your period. And I mean, I work with so many women and speak to so many women that it's this aha moment when they see this list of symptoms and think, Oh my gosh, I thought that I just had painful bowel movements because of me, but it was actually their endometriosis that were really influencing these symptoms. So for our listeners, so let's say they have all of these symptoms. What to Mm -hmm. next? What do they go to a gynecologist to get that checked out or is that the next step? Right. So, and, and I want to say all of these symptoms are on my website, knowyourendo.com. So if this feels like, oh my gosh, I want to look at this more, you can head to knowyourendo.com. But yeah. And, and then another tricky thing about it is you cannot be diagnosed unless you have a laparoscopic surgery. So they're going to go through your belly button and they're going to look around and they're going to see endometriosis does not show up on an ultrasound. So a lot of people say, well, I, ha- I got an ultrasound and my doctor said that I don't have endo. You can't diagnose it through an ultrasound. You can definitely see cysts through an ultrasound. You can see some growth on the ultrasound, but you can't actually see the endometriosis lesions and implants. So you have to have that surgery. And then once you have that laparoscopic surgery, once they're in there, there's also two types of surgeries that you can have. There's an ablation surgery and an excision surgery. And unfortunately, most people do ablation surgery, which is essentially burning the endo off, which can actually cause more inflammation in the body. So excision surgery is definitely, they call it the gold standard, but because insurance companies and the world is still catching up to women's health, the excision surgery is not covered under insurance. So you hear a lot of women that have had five or six ablation surgeries and they don't understand why they're not getting better. And it's because the disease is not actually being excised properly. Did, wow. did you think we were going to talk about such a complicated topic? No, it, I mean, this is fascinating. It's, 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 and I think we, you know, it's, it's a topic that must be spoken about. I mean, one in 10 women, that's crazy. Yeah. And that's just an estimate because that's how many we, people we think have been diagnosed. Like, you know, think about this woman that I interviewed that wasn't diagnosed until she was 53 years old. I mean, if she didn't find a doctor to finally believe her, she might have never been diagnosed. Yeah. Um, and, a, and a lot of women that experience infertility issues, a lot of, I think it's 50, 40 or 50% of unexplained infertility is due to endometriosis. So 
There's a lot of women that are not able to get pregnant and they don't understand and they have these awful periods and they think it's just them. And a lot of endometriosis is genetic too. So you, you know, for me, my mom was my period role model. I thought it was normal to not be able to go to work on your period. Like I thought it was normal to be so inflamed that you had to walk around with your button, top button, unbun, undone on your pants. And so that was my norm, but that's not normal. Mm, that isn't. And I mean, I could relate to that myself. I mean, not that I have them anymore, <clears throat> but I used to have t- shocking, shocking pains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you talked about going um, plant-based. So talk mm-hmm. us through what does that exactly look like for you on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. And, and I think it's important to say, you know, I think that plant-based, that phrase has really taken on a life of its own now. And I think it can mean people eat a lot of plants or it can mean that they're vegan. Or I think that for me and for people with endometriosis, I think that there isn't one endometriosis diet that's going to work for everyone. For me, what works best is a plant heavy diet. I don't eat animal products. I don't eat dairy or meat. Um, I really try to stick to more low inflammatory foods like sugar. I used to love candy so much. It was like a food group to me. Sugar just makes my endo go crazy. So when I say a plant-based diet, when I switch to it, I think what that means for me and for a lot of people with endo, it's very much based on whole foods, plant-heavy and um, really doing your best to find your triggers. Like brown rice makes me feel crazy inflamed, whereas other people can tolerate it really great. Nightshades, tomatoes, eggplant, they give me, you know, a lot of inflammation, whereas other people, they work fine. So it's, it's, it's a lot of trial and error, but I think that a, a really good place to start where I started was really looking at your triggers and kind of taking out, if you can, one by one or all at once, a lot of those big key inflammatories. And again, I have those inflammatories on my website and starting there. And it's not easy. People talk about changing their diet all the time and they just act like, oh, change my diet. It felt better. I mean, I cried for the first two or three months changing my diet because I didn't want to eat that way. But over time, it just made me feel so incredible. And like I said, it helped me get out of bed and live my actual life that there was just no turning back. And I I can't imagine eating any other way now. Mm. And so does that include uh, fish at all or no animal? And no, yeah, it's, <clears throat> excuse me. It's really weird because or weird. I don't know what the adjective is, but when I started this changing my diet, it was so much about my health. And so I decided to take out just all animal products. And now I'm at a point where I've become very sensitive to animals and I could probably eat fish and be okay, but it, it just bothers me now Mm. to eat animals. So I know a lot of women that have people that have endo that stick to a more quote unquote endo diet or whole foods diet, and they do include fish. And they're okay. But I think the the meats that you really want to watch out for are red meat. There, there's a big study that was done that shows that red meat can increase endo symptoms and pain. And then, you know, really processed meats. Um, I don't, in, in the United States, I don't think as much in Australia. I mean, our food system is, is kind of a mess. Mm. So it's looking for 
cleaner options. And, and I think that's, that's a scary part too, is not scary, but maybe kind of annoying to me that people are like, you have to buy organic, you have to get this. And a lot of people live in food deserts. A lot of people don't, aren't able to afford all organic. So I think it's about doing your best and you might not be able to afford grass fed, organic rainbow covered, you know, meat. And, and for me, it was just easier to just take it out. Yeah, no, so true. So you're obviously very in touch with your own body because when you explained before that you know there's certain foods that give you inflammation, mm-hmm. um, are you talking about feeling bloated in the stomach or inf- yeah. how do you know when it's you're feeling inflamed? That's a really good question because I did not, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't understand the way that my body felt until I started I guess really listening, listening to it sounds so cliche, but it wasn't until I started kind of taking things out that I was able to feel how they made me feel. So I think, for example, if you're eating, let's say a sandwich every day that has this big bun and you've got some processed meat, you've got some dairy in there, you've got some other things. How do you know which is the thing that's making you feel bad? Because you kind of just feel bad all the time. It really wasn't until I would say, you know, maybe a year into really focusing on my diet and really focusing on the things that make, made me feel good and bad that I was able to see, wow, when I eat that, my, my stomach is, is more inflamed. I have a lot of gas. Oh my gosh, it hurts when I go to the bathroom. So I I think there's a lot of things that we can think about when, when we think about how they make our body feel down to, do my hands feel more swollen? Are my joints more swollen? Does it hurt to go pee? I mean, these are things that I was able to start noticing and I was able to kind of start separating my endo from those things instead of just lumping them all together, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you did a bit of an elimination process one bit at a time. And did you record everything down as you were going through this journey? No, I'm telling you, I was really, I was really mad about it at first. I just, you know, and this is, this is a while back and and there was a lot less options and information out there too. I mean, there wasn't amazing dairy-free cashew cheeses that I could just buy at the store. So, you know, I, I just, I just kept trying. And and the other thing that was tricky too, is I never cooked before either. Like I relied on microwavable food and things that were easy, like spaghetti and waffles and things that I could easily pick up at the store. So this was a complete overhaul to my life. And I think when you make such a big change in your life, you kind of have to get serious about it. And and I didn't necessarily keep track of things, but I did track how much better I felt. And I think that's a really important thing to do when you suffer with a chronic illness like endometriosis is that sometimes you need to check in with yourself and say, oh my gosh, like I was able to get out of bed the first day of my period. Like I'm almost a decade into doing this and I still feel proud every period when I'm able to get out of bed or sit up or go for a walk. I I still congratulate myself. And I think that's a really important thing to do when you're doing this. Mm, no, so true. And I mean, you, you, you're you able to tell the difference between what was to what is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So what would be a list of your superfoods, for example? It's so hard to say that because I just, you know, my first book was a cookbook. It was a plant-based cookbook. And I, you know, since writing that book, I just have really come to, to just with the research that I've done for this book is that every single food affects people differently. And I think that's why the superfood thing, you know, I think that's great. I think because it's a focus on whole foods, but like say bee pollen, for example, people just throw that stuff on smoothies. It's in cookbooks. I have a crazy relax reaction to bee pollen. So I think that in terms of superfoods, I like to call them in good foods. And I think good foods are foods that don't make your body feel bad. So I, again, I think it's starting with more plants, more whole foods, looking at the huge inflammatories and saying, okay, what if I could try to see if I could maybe leave dairy out this week out of my pasta sauce that I usually make and kind of see how that makes me feel. So I know that it would be so cool if I could say, these are my three superfoods, but I think they're really different for everyone. And I think it's just a focus on whole foods that don't make you feel bad. Mm, no, true. And I, the next question I'm curious about too, mm-hmm. are you into fasting at all? Because I know that there was a lady that I just spoke not that long ago mm-hmm. from a health perspective. She changed her ways of eating and avoided an operation, but she was eating a lot of raw foods. She was doing a lot mm-hmm. of fasting. So what is your, you know, uh, the way that you eat look like? Um, I do my best just because I've in the past I've had pretty disordered eating. So I think that when you mix disordered eating with restriction, you can kind of come up with a recipe for disaster <laughs> and impending doom. So I I kind of just do my best to not think, okay, today I'm going to fast. I, I really just try to eat when I feel hungry. And I mean, I know that's easier said than done, but I know that with intermittent fasting, it's like, don't eat after this time and don't eat until this time in the morning. And I mean, for me, I have a five-year-old. Sometimes I'm not eating dinner until 8 p.m. after he goes to bed because that's what I can do. And sometimes in the morning I'm starving and I want to eat at 8 a.m. So I think it works well for other people. But for me, it's just not something that I can do for myself. Mm, yeah, and um, I, I think it's 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 not for everyone either. But it was more so. Uh, you'll find I hear it. It's just even just yesterday, a lady who has who had a brain tumor, um, mm. and she had the option of uh, getting an operation, knowing that there was an eighty percent chance of it coming back. But she mm. did a ten day fast and all these other things, and it just disappeared. So you know, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, what some people it is do. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, what do you need to do for your body and why? And I think, you know, I I think for me, her fasting was a very big extreme and it might sound crazy, but cutting out candy and cheese was my extreme. I mean, I, when I was changing my diet, I felt like it would be easier to just get the hysterectomy than to have to change my diet because of the social part of it. It's like, who wants to go out to eat with a girl that can't eat anything on the menu? It just, I felt not, I just, I felt very alone in it. So I think everyone has their own extreme in some ways. 
Yeah, you're right. And it's like for me, I'm uh, being French, of course, I love my cheese, but I've had to, I know that every time I eat cheese, I get, it's almost like hay fever symptoms. And I know mm. that I shouldn't be eating it, but you know what? I love it. But it's that, yeah. it's that having to let go of it is that, that part of, um, you know, I know that dairy is not good for me and I definitely have cut it out and I go lactose free as often as I can, but I still crave this, you know, triple uh, cream brie or, you know, yeah, a camembert. Course. Yeah. But, but it, I mean, how cool is that though, that now you at least have the choice, yes. like you at least know, and then you can make a choice to eat it or not. And I think that's the problem sometimes with diet culture is it's like, no, 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 no. It's like, no, let's empower people to be able to make a choice at yeah. least to know if this harms them or not. Mm, so true. Absolutely. So through this experience, this is now your business. This is this your your actual journey has turned into a business because you write books, you have a podcast, and now you have clients. And so, what would be um, your greatest lesson learned thus far in business? Uh, I mean, I think my greatest lesson I've learned is just to talk to everyone and to give everyone equal value, I would say. I mean, I think some of my greatest relationships are people that from the the look of them or from what I thought they did, I didn't know if they could help me or not, but I, I talked to them and I, I didn't talk to them to try to get something from them. I talked to them as another human being. And I think so much we're just trying to get, 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 but I think you never know who you're going to talk to and what can come from that. So I think it's just really talking to everyone you can and sharing with them and listening to them. I think listening even more than sharing is so powerful because you never know what type of connection that you're going to have. I think we see some, someone that's a lawyer and we're an artist. So it's like, Oh, well, they're, they can't, they can't help me or do anything for me. But what if that lawyer secretly is like the greatest artist on earth that you could learn from? So I think just being open and talking to everyone and really listening to other people's stories can be extremely helpful. Mm, and no, I love that. And it's true. Sometimes our biases get in the way without even us being conscious of it and stop mm -hmm. us. You, it's true. It's so true because you never know what you are going to learn from another human being. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And the other thing that we love to ask our woman of inspiration mm -hmm. is about pain points. So what would mm -hmm. be a pain point or some pain points that you stumble across? And then how do you work through a solution to your pain points? And and specifically for business? Yeah, in or business. Or it could even be personal. What, what What's something that sort of comes to mind? Uh, I mean, I'm thinking so much right now writing my book of – you know, it's a roller coaster of emotions of one day, I think it's the worst book ever written. And then the next minute I'm like, wait, I've got something here. <laughs> so I think it's just, it's hard sometimes because sometimes you just have to stick it out and see what happens because you don't know what's going to happen. So I think, I think perfectionism is for sure one of my biggest pain points. And I think over the span of my career, which has been a lot of different careers, I think I've just never felt that fear of failure, but I did feel a fair fear of it not being perfect. 
So kind of letting that go, like I'm not going to probably get this book a hundred percent perfect, but I also, if I don't write it, then there's no information out there. So I think just, um, just stopping with the perfectionism, which again, easier said than done. But I think that's the thing I struggle with the most. Mm, and you know, it's uh, just the other day I did a talk and I, uh, the word perfectionist goes hand in hand with procrastination, which then leads to paralysis, <laughs> yes. right? And I know that I, this happens to me all the time. I get in my own way, including with writing. You know, I went through my first book took me three years to write. But wow. it's because I kept getting in my own way. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is shit. I don't. I, what? Who's going to read this? And then I'd, I'd have those moments too, and I'm like, no, actually, no, that's okay. And then <laughs> I'd go through these emotional roller coasters, um, mm-hmm. which you know took me forever. So yeah, it is a big pain point. I can really relate to what you're saying. Three years. Wow. I have. I had nine months to write this, and I think. I think having a shorter window for me is better because it just kind of forces me to do it. I think if I had three years to write a book, I might feel a little bit out of control. Yeah. Well, I didn't have a deadline and I didn't have an agent on my back. So it's a little little bit different where you've probably got an agent or a publisher that's waiting for your book. Yes. Waiting, waiting, waiting. That's right. So (laughs) there's a a little bit more of urgency and pressure. Whereas me, I had none of that. So I think that's why I thought of, I was cruising along with this book. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. So, Jessica, what advice would you give your younger self if we were to go back in time? Um, I no advice because I I have this like weird fear of it can't you can't actually go back in time, but I have like this mm. weird fear of going back in time and accidentally changing something that then alters the rest of my path. So. I think I'm just going to let her figure it out because if maybe I told her something, I wouldn't be where I'm right here today. Mm, I love that. And it's true. You can't go back in time, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, you would not be the woman you are today without all those colorful experiences. Yeah, exactly. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. So and, and I do think that the old me, was even more stubborn than I am now. So I probably wouldn't even believed anything I said anyway. <laughs> yeah. So when you say the old me, are you mm-hmm. uh, talking about the inner child work? I think the old me meaning and uh, not to be before and after Indo, but I think the old me that ate candy and microwave meals and would – completely think that going to a yoga class was the most uncool thing ever. So I I think that I was a little bit more close-minded to all the things I'm doing now. Uh, So yeah, I think the old me was just trying to be cool, was kind of stubborn, thought, I mean, if I told the old me someday you're going to be a vegan, I would have laughed in her face because I thought that that was like the craziest thing ever. So, yeah, I I think I'm just so much more open now having to really heal myself. Mm. And what are your thoughts around using microwaves? (laughs) I mean, listen, I don't have a microwave anymore, uh, but there's some days where I'm like, wow, it would be really cool to just heat up this soup from last night in a minute versus me having to get a pan out and doing the whole thing. So, I mean... I know that there's a lot of 
bad stuff about microwaves, but sometimes whatever. Yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> Mine I, is more aesthetically, I don't like the look of it in my kitchen at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I was just curious because I'm, I'm, we were just talking about it the other day about um, electric magnetic fields. And I was like, I still use my microwave. I'm the same. I, for me, it's, it's, uh, you can do as much as there's these patches that you can use and put them everywhere. Um, but it's, uh, for me, it's still, like you said, if it's a cup of soup that I want to heat up, it, it is much quicker using a microwave in one minute than using a saucepan that yeah. might take five or 10 minutes. And I also think it's just like everything we do is wrong right mm. now. It's yeah. like, and also it's like, it's the kind of person that's like, don't have any TVs in your room and don't do mm. this and don't do this. It's like, who knows? That person might watch Netflix in bed every now and then. It's like, I'm just tired of everyone telling us everything we do is wrong. That's true. It's so true, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, don't have you know don't have blue light at nighttime use red light and we you know don't do this it's true it's always don't 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 and, and yeah, I think it should 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 yeah and it's very confusing <clears throat> people don't I think it's 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 leading people astray to be present and they start living in fear and then they start doing their research and they'll start googling something which is the worst thing you can do mm-hmm. and you can just see that this spirals into I'm just confused I'm just not going to do anything Exactly. And you can find research to support anything. So you can find that research to support that blue light is bad. And then you can also find people that say it doesn't really matter. So you're right. It's like, then you're just in the middle of like not knowing what to believe. Mm, It depends on, yes, exactly right. Right. Depends where you look. So Jessica, the other thing that we do is as we start wrapping up the show is we love Mm -hmm. to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Oh my gosh, that's such a crazy, that's a, um, I would have to say right now it's hope. Oh, I love that. I don't just think because, that. okay, good. Cause I just, um, I might get emotional when I say this, but I just, there's so many people right now that are struggling and I just hope that in some way I'm providing them some type of hope, whether that's for their health or their mental health or whatever they're struggling with through my podcast and through my books. I just want them to have some hope for themselves. That's really beautiful. I felt that. And it's true, you know, it's uh, what you do is, is amazing. And you are, like I said, even coming on this show and talking about it, it's not a common topic that we speak about. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of women reaching out after listening to this uh, show. Absolutely. The other thing that we love to ask our woman of inspiration is to share three shiny golden nuggets with <clears> our <throat> listeners. And that could be three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today. Okay. Let's say number one, write thank you notes. (laughs) It can be a thank you email. It can be a something, but I think we just don't acknowledge enough that I think a thank you note can go a very long way. So write thank you notes. Is that, is that an okay one? I love it. Okay. (laughs) Number two, I would say start thinking about your food more, what makes you feel good and what makes you feel bad. Because just like you, you at least know now that cheese doesn't make you feel great. So now you at least have an empowered choice to make whether you're going to eat it or not. And then I think three um, is 
having more self-compassion, I just discovered the work of Kristen Neff and she does a lot of work and research into the concept and idea of self-compassion. And it's not standing in front of the mirror and saying, I'm pretty, I'm great, but it's really caring for yourselves and, and giving yourself more self-compassion the same way that you would someone else. Like you're not going to walk up to your friend and say, wow, you're really fat and ugly today. So it's having the same compassion for yourself that you would for other people. Mm, that's so powerful. And did you say her name was Christine Neff? Kristen Neff. And she wrote a book called, I think it's just called self-compassion. And it's so crazy because it's such a simple freaking concept, have more self-compassion, have more compassion. But she actually went and she studied it and she did research on it on, on how we can rewire our brains to have more compassion for ourselves and it changes people. Mm. So I'll have to remember that next time I pick up a, a piece of uh, dark chocolate Yeah, to have more and, compassion. And say to yourself, <laughs> Hey, do I like this? I do. Okay, mm. let's eat it. <laughs> do you know it's it's one of those things. The sugar. When you talk about sugar, I love sugar, and I used to eat sugar every single day. I used to buy lollies, and whereas mm -hmm. I no longer do that, but I still have this craving of um, chocolate. So I now buy the ninety percent or ninety five percent dark chocolate um, mm -hmm. as my treat. I have a little square every day. Um, yeah. But sometimes I'm, I, I do, I'm not, I'm hard on myself. I'm like, do you really need this? And this inner voice goes, yes, you do actually. This is your reward. You had a really big day. Yeah. And you you can just tell yourself, this is me caring for me today. That's I'm right. doing something I want to do. Mm, so true. So true. So Jessica, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? <clears throat> uh, I... Gosh, I have so many Instagram accounts, but I would just go to Jessica Mernan on Instagram. You can go to my website, jessicamernan.com, and then knowyourindo.com for endometriosis information. I have a cookbook called One Part Plant, and then my podcast is One Part Podcast. But all this stuff is on jessicamernan.com. I just, I hate, sometimes I don't like referring to people to there because my website feels so old and outdated, but it's all there. It's beautiful. It's <laughs> colorful. Oh, well, thank you. So I, I, I think it's uh, it's gorgeous and I love what you do. So thank you so, so very much for your time, your energy, and for coming on the show and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au 
and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.